0: Welcome to this week's presentation from Bethesda, a church community where anyone can belong. We hope that the following presentation encourages you in your faith journey. Thanks for listening. And so what does this mean for us? Well, growing, I know that I like to grow things. I like to plant. Um, I'm not very good at it. So I'll confess to you, I'm not a very good gardener, but um, I hate the winter I do. Um, a lot of my love for my husband comes from the fact that he clears the snow in the driveway. I love that about him. It makes me so happy. But I hate winter, and so when, the, uh, when Christmas is over, and even now I think they've started to put out all that summer stuff at Walmart and at Costco, and I walk into those areas and I say, look at the nice patio sets. Look at the beautiful planter boxes. Look at the seeds. I could grow tomatoes. And I look at the things and I think I am going to purchase these things, and I do. There's about, you know, when it comes enough that spring is here enough that some of those things can start happening in my garden and summer, you know, we're not going to risk that everything is going to die, I go and I splurge. And it's almost like Christmas for me. I don't know what it is, but I love to buy the things. I keep buying all the plants, and I take one day during the spring and summer to invest in my garden. So I take it like it might be one of my days off work, and I just spend the entire day digging in the dirt, planting new flowers, and I'll put some seeds in and hope that in the Newfoundland, whether they sprout up, they don't. And I grow things. I put things in, and then I leave them and forget about them yes i 'm not a very good gardener, I said. I get very enthusiastic about it, and then I just kind of leave it there and I keep forgetting to water it and so I go out in the middle of the night and like oh i haven 't watered you guys for a couple days, and I water them and drench them and walk away and a week later i 'm like, "Oh no, the flowers are dead, and I go and water them all again and uh, i I love this about summer, but I'm, I'm just not a very good person at it. Also, during the winter, any time during the winter, you walk through like Sobeys or Walmart and you see these gorgeous orchids there in a beautiful display. And these are my favorite flower. You can grow them inside, and I've eventually learned through some very severe trial and error which windowsill to put them in in my house so that they don't die, because I've had a few die, and I threw them out. Don't tell my friend, she'll be sad. But they die, and so I found the right window to put them in, and I love them dearly, and yet I keep forgetting to water them. I do, but they don't need a whole lot of water, but like they do need some. And as always, I always go to the drastic point where it is absolutely dire that they need water and then I water them. Um, but my friend is a fantastic gardener. She understands plants. She can look at a plant and say, uh, Crystal, you need to water that. And I'm like, what? It's still green. It's doing good. And she's like, look at the leaves. They're all wilted and they're sad. And she'll go get some water and water my plants for me. And then she'll trim off all the brown parts. And sometimes when she comes to my door in the summer, she'll be standing outside. And when I open the door, she's start picking the dead buds off of the plants in my planter boxes. And I'm like, thank you. I didn't know I was supposed to do that. She's a great gardener. And I'm a horrible gardener and a horrible plant parent. But I love to have them. So under my care... My plants sometimes survive, but under the care of a real gardener, they'd be able to truly thrive. This is true. Her plants are beautiful. Mine are horrible. But if you were a real gardener, if I were a real gardener and had a real commitment to my plants, they'd be able to thrive. And what we're talking about in this Grow series is that our discipleship path is intended to help us thrive as we follow Christ. So as individuals here this morning, we have the opportunity to understand what it means for us to grow, and what it means for us to thrive in that growth as we follow Christ. And let's be honest, just for a moment, as we launch into the series, don't we all need a little more growth? Just a little. We we could all grow just a little. And we all have the ability for a little improvement. Now that you probably know that your significant other needs improvement, right? Like, you can... they could. They could use a little bit of improvement. And you're sitting there and you don't know if you should nudge them like she's talking about you. Or if you should sit really still because, like, you know, you've got, well, like, if they just did this differently. So, like, wouldn't it be nice, the things that run through our minds, wouldn't it be nice if they remembered to put out the garbage instead of you having to remind them and feel like you're nagging about it? Yeah, yeah. Or, or the socks in the house the socks in the house. Where do all the socks come from? Why is there a pair of socks in the porch, a pair on this sofa, a pair on that sofa, and a pair in the laundry room right next to the laundry basket? Why is it next to the basket? It could go in there. I just don't understand these things. And then your teenager's why would they leave a dirty plate in their room for weeks on end until it started to grow something, or university students, and smell really bad? Why? Why can't you just bring it down? And so when you're thinking about other people growing, all of these things probably start running through your mind, or even your coworker. Like, when is that guy going to stop throwing everyone else under the bus to get that promotion? Like what are they doing? And these things are starting to run through our minds about how other people can improve. But let's be really honest. It is easy for us to identify someone else's character or style of living that could improve. But we personally, each of us as individuals, could use a little growth or in one area or other. So I want you to elbow the person next to you and say, it's not just you, it's me too. Like, that's just your apology, right? You're apologizing for all those thoughts that were running through your head about the person. And you're like, oh, like, I I was thinking about you, but I'm gonna say it's me too. I acknowledge it. I need to grow a little bit too. And so maybe we need to grow our character. Maybe we need to grow our understanding of our self-worth. Or maybe we need to grow in self-discipline. Regardless of what it is, we need growth. Let me, who are parents who brought children today to church? Yeah, God bless you. God bless you. If there's one way to grow your patience, it's to get a child out the door, to get them dressed, to get them fed, to get them cleaned up, put their shoes on. No, those are the wrong shoes. Put on the other shoes. Where's your coat? Why is your coat on the floor? Put your coat on. And the test of patience that this requires for a parent is enormous. And can't we just agree, don't we all need just a little bit of patience for our children? I I do, I'll, I'll be honest, goodness, like it's difficult, life is difficult, and so in order to make it better for us, it's important that we take some time to grow, it's not just you, it's me too, we all need growth, so growing deeper is an intentional portion of our discipleship path at Bethesda, and as a community, we believe that it's crucial to invest in growing deeper in our relationship with Christ ultimately growing deeper means that we have the opportunity to become individuals who thrive and as you may have concluded by now thriving as an individual means that the people who are in relationship with us will directly benefit from our personal growth we can probably see that if that person thrived a little bit more i'd be a happier person too or if we thrive a little bit more, our children benefit, our spouses benefit, our siblings benefit, and the people around us are happier because we are much healthier. Over the grow part of these, next, of these 100 days to Easter, we'll be talking about how your personal relationship with Jesus, through the grace he so freely gave us, can uh, help us thrive as an individual in our various roles as a parent, a co-worker, and any sphere of influence we hold. And we will be given opportunities uh, to connect to a small group or maybe attend the Alpha course that's happening on Monday evenings um, or journey with people in your faith and have the next step in your faith journey. And so we are really enthusiastic about where this uh, grow portion of our series can go, and we are so excited to have you on that journey with us. So now as we dig into the Word itself, let's take a moment to pray. pray. Pray together. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that your word can reveal so much grace and truth that can help us in how we understand our lives. Lord, and I pray right now, God, as I, as I bring this word, um, I pray that you would just go through me, use me. May my words uh, be carried by your Holy Spirit into a place of understanding and a place of decision and a place of, um, of helping people make a next step in their faith journey. So all of this, Lord, we give over to you this time, your word, and we want to bring you honor and glory. In your name, Jesus. Amen. So you may be surprised to hear that in God's word, we're often compared to plants people, individuals, are often compared to plants and trees. And there's a passage in scripture in John 15 that I want to dig into a little bit, um, but these revelations of us being plants or trees come through in God, uh, his communication with individuals in the Old Testament, as well as poetry and worship in the uh, in the word, and through the communication of Jesus himself. And so this passage is uh, Jesus himself, he's talking to his disciples. It's a, a period of time in between the Last Supper and Jesus being in the Garden of Gethsemane. So it's a very important segment of time in uh, Jesus' conclusion of his journey on earth with the disciples. And so we kind of consider this piece of scripture as fairly significant, meaning that, well, if it's one of the last things he told them, then it must be something important for them in understanding their relationship with him. So if we could just read it together briefly. I am the vine, and my father is a gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, but it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If, if a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have, I, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. The cultivation and growth of a grapevine was commonplace in this. Point in time in Palestine. Uh, While I personally obviously know very little about gardening and caring for plants and less about grapevines, I've never seen a grapevine, I don't think. Um, The comparison of our relationship with God to the growth of grapevines would have resonated very well with the disciples at the time. They would have thoroughly understood what it was that Jesus was saying. In fact, they probably could have been walking past grapevines um, on their way to Gethsemane when Jesus was recounting this to them. And so Uh, This is an allegory, a story which uh, compares us to a grapevine. And Jesus is explaining to those who are following him that he is connected to them like a branch is connected to the trunk of a grapevine. In this way, those who follow him, uh, Jesus is the source, and we are the branch. We receive what we need from him, and through this relationship, the vine is nourished, and we are able to bear fruit. And through our relationship with Jesus we are nourished and able to be fruitful individuals. Scripture identifies nine fruits that are evident in people that come from God, and these are often referred to as a fruit of the Spirit. Um, And these are indicated to be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This one here, patience, parents, right? Oh, goodness, children, they're amazing. They're so lovely. So, these are the fruit that should be seen and evident in our lives due to our relationship with Jesus and our connection to the vine. And there's a lot that we can discuss in this overall passage that we just read, but um, I'd like to spend some time this morning leaning into the very beginning of it. As we are launching into our Grow series, I'd like to take just a little bit of time to understand the implications of verse 2. And it says, he cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. will be even more fruitful. And in this, we are dealing with two implications um, in this passage in relation to the grapevine. In this He's talking about two actions of the gardener in reference to the grapevine. So God cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, what does this mean for us? It is physically evident when a plant is lacking something that it needs. When it's diseased or dying, people can typically tell. At least a gardener can. At least someone who understands that the plant is wilting because it needs water will understand by the appearance of a plant if it needs help. There it is. But um, it may be difficult, um, sorry, for some of us who are not gardeners, it may be difficult to see exactly what is happening with the plant. But based on the appearance of the plant, the gardener can see easily. But it may not be easy to see or understand evidence of unhealth for a dead branch or something in our own lives or the lives of someone we love and so in this area we're considering the grapevine we're considering the branch that needs to be cut off because it's dead or diseased and it needs to be pruned to create room for new growth. A dead branch or a diseased branch is removed because it needs to create room for new growth. A diseased branch specifically would have to be removed so that the disease does not spread into the rest of the plant. It would compromise the ability of the plant to continue to grow and to flourish. Removing a diseased branch is a protective measure for the rest of the plant. The gardener would then destroy the diseased plant or diseased branch to keep it from infecting the rest of it. It's logical then that this branch would have to be removed. It's logical that obviously it's not contributing to the plant in a positive manner. It is not helpful for it to remain. And we may be able to look at circumstances in our own lives or maybe you have one that you're living in right now that's draining your personal energy, time, joy, or peace of mind. And this branch in your life may not be public, or it may be public. It may be something that you've been carrying around with you that's just causing you pain and hurt, but you just have difficulty letting it go. Um, We have potential for disease branches in our lives that are actively fostering our unhealth, and they are holding us back from our truest potential. And it may seem impossible to move on. Let me give you a few examples. You may be dating someone who doesn't believe in you, they may not uphold you or encourage you. They are a drain on who you are, but because otherwise you'd feel lonely, you're holding on to that relationship. Or maybe it's a hobby or a habit that has started innocently enough, but now it consumes you and it wreaks havoc on daily life and relationships. Or maybe it's insecurity, and this disease of insecurity is a is, uh, causing you to feel less about your worth, and it surges forward in waves to threaten areas of your life that are currently fruitful. The thing about a diseased branch is it's not going to only attack that one branch. It's going to keep going. And so that's why we need to consider allowing these branches to be removed from our lives. When we give our investment of time and energy over to things that are not healthy for us. We are taking energy and time from investments that will be healthy for us. This makes sense, right? We only have so much time to offer. We have so much capacity to give. And if you, you might be a high-capacity individual. You might be able to manage three or four tasks at a time, and you've got, you know, like, I don't know about you, but my desk is covered in stuff, and I've run from one task to another, and I don't know if that means I have high capacity or if it's just because I'm a nut. But everything is everywhere all the time, and I'm trying to do ten things at once. But at a certain point in time, my capacity does this and I have no more time to give, I've taken on too many projects, and I can't accomplish it all, even though I'm really enthusiastic about all of them. And that's like us in our regular lives. We have only so much time, so much capacity, and so much energy. And so if we are giving it over to things that are not healthy for us, then obviously we are not investing in our health. We have to take our time and energy and investments and put it somewhere that's going to invest in our health, that's going to make us healthy and fruitful and grow. And so this is why it's important for us to address the dead branches that are probably lurking in our lives that are hindering us, the branches that could potentially be diseased and hurting us in our relationships and our futures. Secondly. After we've removed dead branches, um, it says that every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so so that it will be even more fruitful. Now, on a first glance, this action sounds a little bit aggressive, even a little bit painful. Really, if a branch is diseased or dead, of course you would cut it off. It's logical. You can come to that conclusion. But is it really necessary to cut the parts of the tree that are doing well? that are fruitful, why would you remove a fruitful branch? Well, we understand about pruning. Obviously, pruning is done out of love and care for the plant itself to facilitate greater growth in the next season. A grapevine isn't, if a grapevine isn't pruned, it grows many shoots that grow and overtake the vine, and they grow too far from the trunk. And the further away from the trunk of the tree or from the source, the lesser quality fruit will it will produce. And so Jesus is explaining that we also need pruning to be fruitful in our own lives. And it may be difficult for us personally to identify well, you know, if there's fruitfulness in this area of my life, like what do I do to prune it? How do I prune it? It's healthy, it's successful. I don't understand that. But pruning is an act of reflection and discipline for those who follow Christ. Just because an area of your life is doing well and it is being rewarding doesn't mean that there are not parts of it that need additional attention or adjustment. A fruitful season in your life could be additionally more fruitful when space is made to invest in that area more. That means making space around it for it to thrive more in the next growing season. So let's consider. You may have this, but if you don't intentionally invest in this, will be less fruitful than it could be. So you may have a fulfilling marriage, but if you don't take time out to invest in your marriage, then it could be less fruitful than it should be. You could have amazing children that are obedient and polite and put on the right pair of shoes and don't throw their coats on the floor and put their socks in the laundry basket. But if you don't take time to invest in your relationship with your children more and more, then your family life could be less fruitful than it could be you may be a strong leader, but if you don't regularly examine your heart, you may be less fruitful of a leader than you could be. You may be a stellar employee, but if you don't take time to consider your attitude and aptitude in your workplace and how to function better and how to work more carefully and to interact with your coworkers better, then You're not being as good of an employee as you could be in that workplace. And so this is what we mean by pruning back a branch. It doesn't mean that this branch itself is bad, because it's already bearing fruit. But it means that we take the time to intentionally consider how to bear more fruit on that branch, how to grow it further, to prune back areas so that we are carving out time so that this branch or this area of our lives could flourish, could be fruitful when the band could come back, please. And this part of the verse seems a little bit aggressive, but it says that he cuts off every branch. He prunes it so it'll be more fruitful. These actions seem painful and aggressive, but yet if we're looking at carving out time or if we're looking at removing a branch in our lives that's hurting us, then obviously that action is going to be a little bit painful is going to require a little bit of personal sacrifice. When you cut back something, you have to give from somewhere else. Like I said, we only have so much capacity. And so if we need to invest more time in our family, then we need to let something else sit on the sidelines. If we need to invest more time in our marriage, then we need to let something sit on the sidelines. If the current relationship, dating relationship that you're in is not healthy for you, but you just don't want to be alone, then you need to come to that hard choice of deciding, well, what's worse? Being taken down and hurt and and embarrassed and treated poorly or being alone and having the opportunity to invest in my self-worth and understand who I am and why I'm important and how I need to grow in this season? It may be painful, but the discipline of cutting off a branch, the discipline of being pruned will make us even more fruitful. It will make us stronger. It'll make us more competent in our families. It will make us better in our relationships because as we identified, everyone needs to grow just a little bit and we will all feel the rewards from that. And so we can probably identify one area of our lives that we need to clean up, cut back, or cut out. And if you can't, someone close to you probably can say something about you that you need to have pruned in your life. And we need to make space for new growth and more fruit. So more fruitful for what? Why do we need to be fruitful? Being fruitful doesn't earn us grace. We've already established that. Being fruitful doesn't earn us our salvation or God's love fruitfulness is a natural outpouring of the relationship that you have with him in being connected to the vine when you receive his strength and his love and you have that ongoing relationship it is a natural outpouring so it's not fruitful for what it's fruitful for who who do you need to be fruitful for of course jesus wants us to be fruitful and if we're not, if we're connected to grace we will be naturally fruitful But be fruitful, then, for the one who gives you life, not so that he will give you life, because he's already given it to you. But also, the fruit that's being produced on this vine will strengthen and bring more health to you as an individual. And also, more importantly, probably, more health to your relationships. Who doesn't want to be in a closer relationship with someone who's always patient, kind, loving, and caring, and generous, and all of those things? So it'll bring more health, more happiness, more joy to your relationship. So, faithful or fruitful, for who? For you, for God, and for the people who love you. Pruning isn't something to inspire shame or guilt. Grapevines are actually pruned regularly. Uh, every year they're pruned before their new growing season in the, in the dormant times. And new believers, if you're here, yeah, you need to be pruned. But mature believers, if you're here and it's, you've been here for years, it's easy for us to feel like we got everything figured out. But we also need to be pruned. We need to take time to allow God to examine our hearts. It's not just you, it's me too. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in learning more about our church community, please visit our website, Bethesda.ca, and consider joining us for a gathering soon.